Hello, Internet, and welcome to Hot Tub Thoughts, the place where your thoughts think. I'm Brian Duvendak, and joining me today is a guest from our local Humane Society as we try to subliminally convince you to adopt a pet. But first, an outdated reaction to the time Jerry Seinfeld self-diagnosed himself with ASD. That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. In November of 2014, during an NBC interview, comedian Jerry Seinfeld publicly self-diagnosed himself with autism spectrum disorder. The reactions were divisive. People had very differing viewpoints on this. So I'm here to give my outdated reaction. Good for him. Far too many people live their life never knowing what it is that makes them the way they are. And for some people, that can really make them feel like an outcast for a long time. If Jerry Seinfeld believes he's found what it is that makes him the way he is, good for him. Not to mention, this is huge for the autism community. People who struggle with autism, what's now called Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, often live their life in a lot of struggle because people have this outdated image in their mind of what it means to have ASD. It doesn't change the way you look. It doesn't change the way you're going to like distinctly act in the eyes of people around you because you're masking most of the time. But for some reason, a lot of people think of this disabled little boy who struggles to walk when they think of autism, and that's just not accurate. Even the president of the Autistic Advocacy Network openly welcomed Jerry Seinfeld's comments. He said that they were positive and that they were a fantastic influence and that they could really help people who are closeted autistics. Despite this, many people both inside and outside the autism community were very critical and skeptical of Seinfeld's claims. One YouTube comment read, It doesn't really look like autism. I could be mistaken, but Seinfeld makes successful eye contact and he can keep a conversation going. Another comment read, I'm not in a position to say, but I cannot envision someone with ASD being a successful stand-up comedian. Seinfeld's exact claim in the video is, I think on a very drawn out scale, I'm a little on the spectrum. You're never paying attention to the right things, basic social engagement is really a struggle, I'm very literal. The commenter who claimed that he can't envision a successful stand-up comic having ASD went on to say that he knew about some famous autistic people, but they were mainly people like Newton or Immanuel Kant both of which were never married or had children, which kind of reinforces a negative stereotype that people with ASD can't have, you know, a happy family life. And while he does acknowledge that there are famous people with ASD, he ignores a good chunk of them. The list of famous people with ASD includes Dan Aykroyd, Roseanne Barr, Anthony Hopkins, Susan Boyle, Lionel Messi. For those of us in the American audience. Uh, Messi is one of the most famous soccer players in the world. All of these people live successful and prominent careers despite having ASD. And if we expand that list to people who are not diagnosed, but who are suspected of being on the spectrum, uh, then we also have Bob Dylan, Michael Jackson, Bill Gates, not to mention Quentin Tarantino, Tim Burton, Alfred Hitchcock, and Stanley Kubrick, four of the greatest and most prominent directors of the modern era. 
And as far as stand-up comedy goes, Hannah Gadsby recently released a Netflix stand-up special in which she talks heavily about living with ASD and getting diagnosed late because she had that preconceived notion in her head of what autism looks like. Now one story I'd like to mention in regards to self-diagnosis is that of Dan Harmon. We talked a little bit earlier how self-diagnosis can be a little controversial. Some people think that it's kind of, you know, faking autism, whereas other people, including the head of the Autistic Advocacy Network, believe that it's a good first step in getting people diagnosed. When Dan Harmon began writing Community, he was faced with creating an autistic character in the form of Abed Nadir. While creating this character, he did a lot of research in an attempt to be very respectful of the ASD community, and through that research, he began to realize that he related a lot to the character, and that he began to suspect that he was autistic. So he went self-diagnosed for some time, and now, years later, he is fully diagnosed. If not for relating to a character he was writing, doing research on his own, and a self-diagnosis, he would never have been diagnosed. This is just one of many, many examples of when diagnoses start with a self-diagnosis. Especially when you're not diagnosed as a child, most adults aren't just handed a piece of paper by their doctor that says what they are. They have to seek it out. Unfortunately, Jerry Seinfeld was forced to retract his statements by the backlash, was soon retracting everything he had said, saying he had recently watched a play about autism and that it got him thinking about how much he related to it. If watching a play about it made him think about it that much, maybe he is autistic. Maybe that's a good thing and that it'll provide more awareness of what it really means to have ASD. This has been An Outdated Reaction with Brian Duvendeck. If you'd like to learn more about famous people with ASD, or you'd like to see where I got my sources, I'll put a link in the description. Join us next week for An Outdated Reaction to Star Wars A New Hope. If the first part of this podcast sounds a little familiar, that's because we actually had an episode 2 up last week. Unfortunately, we weren't able to keep it up due to some issues with the interview, but now we have a new interview with Sam Anderson, an all-new Smartass 5 for you, and the only thing that'll really be the same is the things you've already listened to, so you might as well stick Around. I'm joined now by a representative from our own local humane society, Sam Anderson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Doing that. So tell us, uh, what is the best pet, and why is it dogs? It's 100% a dog, but nobody loves you more than your dog loves you. That's why mm. it's a dog. And cats are kind of evil. It's true. Like if you die in your house, your cat A is not gonna go like tell everyone that you died. And if once they run out of food, your cat's going to eat you. Like, we all know this. But dogs will not eat you. They might lick your wounds a few times. Presumably you're dying in, like, some kind of, like, gunshot or, like, knife accident. Yeah. And uh, they're going to bark until someone calls the cops. And then they come and find your dead body and avenge your murder. Presumably with your dog's help, like a buddy cop movie. Absolutely. Dogs love you more than they love themselves. Yeah. For sure. Now, um, in pop culture, we have a lot of examples of instances where a human's best friend or iconic duo is uh, with a dog. I can relate to that. One of my best friends is a dog. Not my own dog. My uh, sister's dog. Millie. Yeah, exactly. Millie. You know Millie. Millie's the best. Millie's one of my best friends. I was just telling someone earlier today that if I ever get married, I plan on Millie being one of my groomsmen. Yeah. so cute. I know, right? And she's already, like, black and white. So, like, and her white's, like, a, along her belly. Yeah. 
So like it already kind of looks like a suit. Oh my gosh, she could get her like a little tie. I'm playing. It'd be adorable. But we see this a lot in media, you know, Scooby and Shaggy, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, other examples. In real life, do you think it's beneficial for your best friend to not be human? Yeah. Geez, you could tell them a secret. They're not going to tell anyone. Mm. Tell my dog everything. She keeps all my secrets. For sure. Dogs are way better secret keepers than humans. Yeah. So loyal. So Mm. loyal. Oh, I almost forgot. Ron Burgundy, his best friend, was Baxter, his dog. I don't know Ron Burgundy. You've never seen Anchorman? No. How have you never seen Anchorman with Will Ferrell? (laughs) No. Never seen it. Great film. Uh, In the movie, Baxter barks at Ron and there's subtitles underneath it. Ron's a newscaster in the 70s or 80s in San Francisco. Okay. Not San Francisco, San Diego. Yeah, and his dog barks and he responds to what we see in the subtitles. I should probably check it out. Yeah, um... One, the very first time Baxter barks at him, we just hear Ron reply, which is Will Ferrell, reply, Come on, Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. Does he kick the dog off the bridge? Uh, Jack Black does. That's why I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's the least likable moment in Jack Black's career. Honestly. We're going to go through some celebrities, and you're going to tell me what each one's spirit dog breed would be. Oh, God. All right, so starting off with Nick Cage. Nick what dog breed would Nick Cage be? Oh, something mysterious. He would be, uh, oh, maybe he'd be the same dog, same breed as my dog. Which is? He's a wire-haired pointing griffin. He's got, like, the dark hair. Nick Nick Cage, I'm thinking, like, find the map. What's mm-hmm. the map that? And he's always yelling stuff. Minutes. Yes! Yeah. I would put him as, like, an intelligent dog breed. Like, kind of quiet and, like... Until he starts screaming. Until he starts screaming. Those are the only two settings Nick Cage has, is silence and screaming. He doesn't do anything in between those. Those are the only options. All right. Well, I picked a really strange breed that most people probably won't know, so... It'll get more normal. All right. Will Ferrell. Oh, my God. Will Ferrell as a dog? I feel like there's an obvious couple answers here. What would you pick? Well, what would you pick? You're the dog expert. An Airedale? I was thinking a Labradoodle. Oh, see, someone said I would be a Labradoodle. But look at that hair. I don't feel like there's no eyes. I could see a Labradoodle. And he's always got, like, that smile and kind of that goofiness about him. Labradoodles are, like, doodly. It's true. He definitely has, like, the doodly thing down. All right, Cameron Diaz. What about one of those Papillon little, like, prissy dogs you know are we still on will ferrell (laughs) okay cameron diaz yeah yeah that's what she would be all right papillon morgan freeman (laughs) what is a dog that looks like a mop you think morgan freeman looks like a mop (laughs) no but like one of those older dogs that you just see laying down that looks like a mop no i don't know the official name google it all right, give me a minute. All right, while you're doing that, also think about uh, our next celebrity, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, definitely a bulldog. All right, Arnold Schwarzenegger's a bulldog. What about Charlie Chaplin? I don't know who that man is. Uh, he was a movie star in the 20s and 30s. He was in silent films. French bulldog. All right, Leo DiCaprio. See, these are loaded questions. I have, like, Lab, Pitbull. He would be a fancy dog. He would be... Hmm. 
the Maltese. Emma Watson. Emma Watson? If she were a dog... Hmm. My mom thinks she'd be a bloodhound. Alright. Interesting choice. Is that a personality kind of thing? Why a bloodhound? Because she was on Harry Potter and she figured out things. She's good at sniffing it out. Yep, personality kind of thing. Sniffing it out. Jim Carrey. (laughs) Oh, he would be a... Yeah. Mm. Something. Mm. Not not a lab. Jim Carrey. Mm. You're not helping me. She's standing here eyeballing me. Jim Carrey, what kind of dog would he be? Did you figure out Morgan Freeman yet? No. I don't know how to get off the screen view like this. Google it on your phone. Mop dog. Mop dog. Commodore. Commodore. Sheepdog. (gasps) Morgan Freeman would be a sheepdog. Alright, what about Jim Carrey? Oh, is it because he always plays God? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, and then sheep, you know. Okay. Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey would be... See, I was going to put, like, maybe... But we already used Labradoodle. I was... Hmm. I could see him being a Chihuahua, just because he at least knew older Jim Carrey, like modern Jim Carrey. Always kind of looks like he's cold and would be shaking to me. So, maybe a Chihuahua. Maybe a Chihuahua. Ah, yeah. Gives me Chihuahua vibes. Alright, what about Johnny Depp? Ooh. (laughs) He'd be... Yeah. He'd be like a really pretty dog. Mastiff. Something beautiful. Something just elegant and gorgeous. Alright. <laughs> right. I didn't realize you were such a big Johnny Depp fan. Neither. Till now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he would, I feel like in our childhood, because you're like a year older than I am. Yeah. Um, in our childhood, like Johnny Depp was Jack Sparrow. But, like, back in the 90s, he was, like, this heartthrob guy who, like, you know, ruined hotels and was known for his partying and drug addiction. I did not know that. Yeah. That was a very good photo that you picked of him, too. Mm-hmm. Beautiful in that. Yeah. But in our childhood, he was just the guy who played the pirate version of himself yeah. from the 90s. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually talking with someone the other or earlier today. I was talking with my brother about how underrated Paul Rudd's career is. Paul Rudd, let me give him a quick Google. Paul Rudd's fantastic. Uh, and while we're on the topic, what dog breed would Paul Rudd be? Oh, he, oh, as a dog? Bull Terrier? Boston Terrier. Boston Terrier? Yeah. They're cute. They're like cute little dogs, you know? Yeah, Paul Rudd has a great career that people don't talk about. Man, I'm not good with names. He's been culturally relevant for like 30 years. He was uh, Phoebe's husband and friends. And he was in This is 40, 40 year old virgin, Wet Hot American Summer, Anchorman, the MCU. I'm leaving out tons of stuff. All right. um, Here's Phoebe and Paul. So this brings me to my next question. What kind of dog would I be? <laughs> well, let me think. With curly hair, I could definitely put you as like, maybe a golden doodle or a schnauzer. <laughs> I would take either of those. Sophie yeah. and Jasmine's brother. <laughs> uh, what kind of dog would I be? 
That's a good question. I think you'd just be a straight up lab. <laughs> you'd just a be a lab. lab. That's basic. I've been called a. Uh, I've been called a labradoodle before. Yeah. Well, you just have you have that personality, that friendly, like everyone's friends with you personality that labs have. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Anytime. All right. Um. Real quick, we're gonna move on. Normally, I have people give a top five of something at the end of an interview, but instead, I'm doing something slightly longer, which is why we're getting to it sooner. Uh, we're going to break down a movie bracket. So we have top eight movies about dogs, in my opinion. And we're going to go through them and figure out what the best dog movie is. Okay. All right. So the first four are all animated films. Okay. And then uh, the second four are live action. So we'll start with the first animated bracket or cartoon bracket. So we have... All Dogs Go to Heaven versus Balto. Balto? Balto. Balto. I don't know if I've seen Balto. What? Balto, you know, with the wolf dog? He saves dog. a village. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's kind of based on a true story, but it's not actually that accurate. All Dogs Go to Heaven looks cute, too. Have you not all seen... You didn't watch All Dogs Go to Heaven as a kid? I don't think I did. What? That's insane. Maybe um, I have, like, memory loss. I would put Balto. Alright, Balto moves on. Next up, we have The Fox and the Hound. Ooh, You've yeah. seen The Fox and the Hound, right? 100% seen that. Alright. Versus Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch, man! All right, now my justification for putting that on this bracket is when when Lilo goes to get Stitch, she goes to a pound and thinks yeah. he is a weird dog. So I'm counting as a dog movie. I would count it. He right. kind of is. Yeah, kind basically a dog. In the TV show, one of his cousins is uh, one of his cousins is literally like a ship, or like a poodle. That yeah, and that's like. It's just a talking dog. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, Myrtle got him. Or got the, that dog. Dude, what a bitch Myrtle was. <laughs> it's like, she was. She was the worst. She just, she legit would just bully Lilo for having dead parents. Right? And I little Lilo dance. She was a snag. Um, yeah. Alright, on to the live action portion of this. Alright. Marley and me. Oh, versus Air Bud and all subsequent sequels. All always Air Bud. All right. For sure, Air Bud. Brian, maybe you would be a poodle. Because <laughs> of my hair. Yeah, I think it is. You said poodle, and you're giving me poodle vibes now. Yeah. Um, I can be a little moody like a poodle. <laughs> Poodles are such moody dogs. Oh my god. Like, they are the happiest dogs ever one minute, and then the next minute they're like, you're not loving me enough. I straight up almost adopted a poodle one time, so. Yeah. My uh, sister's poodle, Jackie's poodle, you know Jackie, but not all listeners will. Um, My sister's poodle, if she isn't getting enough attention, will just pee on the bed. (laughs) This little golden poodle will just walk over to the bed and pee. 
she she needs all the attention. <laughs> I mean, she's a adorable dog, but moody. <laughs> all right, last two in the bracket. Homeward Bound versus A Dog's Purpose. These are our two more serious, like, theatrical films for the bracket. Homeward Bound. Yeah, for sure. The Cat? That's a fantastic movie. Alright. You got the cat in there. You got the golden. Oh, yeah. Alright, now we're going with uh, Balto Mm -hmm. versus Lilo and Stitch. In the semifinals. Uh, I am a Disney lover, and I am partial to Stitch. It has to be Lilo and Stitch. And Lilo and Stitch is just one of the best films ever. Fantastic. Such a good movie. Yes. Yeah, except Myrtle. <laughs> and screw Myrtle. Yeah, Myrtle's the worst. All right, so for the live-action semifinals, Air Bud versus Homeward Bound. Air Bud. All right, that wasn't even a moment of hesitation in your voice. None at all. Are you that big of an Air Bud fan? Oh, yeah. I've seen them all. See, I stopped watching after, like, the third film. What? Why? Because they get repetitive. And I'm not a big Air Bud fan to begin with. Seriously? Air Bud has always... Oh, yeah. All the Air Buds. We own them all. All right. Um, well, that leads us to Lilo and Stitch versus Air Bud. What is the best dog film? Lilo and Stitch. Not that big of an Air Bud fan, I guess. <laughs> How could you not vote Lilo and Stitch? Lilo and Let's, Stitch is pretty great. I love Lilo and Stitch, but I guess if it's like, if we're not counting Stitch as a dog. But Stitch is totally a dog. At least everyone in the community thinks he's a dog. I think he's a dog, too. Yeah. What a great movie. Science Experiment 626. Yeah, it's just, it's a heartwarming movie. About a Hawaiian girl and her older sister who are trying to recover after the death of their parents in a tragic car accident and try to bring their family back together by adopting a pet from the pound. Mohana means family. Exactly. It just so happens that pet is an alien killing machine that was genetically engineered. Nobody has to know. It's a minor detail in an otherwise heartwarming plot. Exactly. Airbud, though. Great flick. Is definitely second runner up to Lilo and Stitch. Every Air Bud film, for sure. All right. All right. Uh, before we end this, can you real quick go over the process people could uh, could use to adopt a dog from their local humane societies? Yeah. Yeah. So at our humane society, which is in Fulton County. And look, we just launched our new website, so we have all our available dogs and cats on there, so you can get on there and check them out. I think you can even fill out an application on there now. We were just working on implementing that onto our new site, and so you can fill out your application on there, or you can come in. We're open every day, one to four, except Tuesdays and Thursdays, which are five to eight, and I'm there on Tuesdays, five to eight. And I'll be your super cool adoption counselor if you come in and you can fill out an application and we'll do a vet check. If you've got your animals up to date and, you know, if you own your house or you rent and stuff, we'll check with your landlord. Mm -hmm. And then if you get approved, you can come out and play with the animals, take it home, see which one you like. Oh, yeah. 
it's way cheaper than uh, buying a pure breed too. It is. Sometimes we even have purebred dogs, like, like all the time, and we only charge one fifty, and they come with their vaccines and their spay and neutered microchip. Yeah, and then you don't have to deal with like raising a puppy who pees everywhere. Some of them are even housebroken. We get like gems out there. Like a few of them, I have been like, I need this dog, but I can't take them all home. So I find them good homes. Yeah, I would say I've seen a lot of the dogs out there, and they are some adorable dogs. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. We had a Schnauzer before. I named him Zach. I should have called you guys. Seriously. You should have. <laughs> um, I would have put him on the phone with our two Schnauzers. Yeah. 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 The best dogs ever, though. They are pretty adorable. Um, lately, we've had to be stricter about preventing the uh, younger one, Jazzy, from being in the basement because she is having a hard time lately between the difference in grass and carpet and just uh, pisses everywhere. Difficult. I mean, yeah. you got the fringy carpet down there. Yeah. It kind of looks like glass, right? I mean, a little bit, except it's a different color and texture. Aren't they colorblind? Yeah, all dogs are colorblind. Yeah, see? Yeah. All right. Well, adopt a dog. Lilo and Stitch is the best uh, best dog movie. Yeah, come see me, please. If you are around here. Or even if you're not. Drive all the way over there. <laughs> adopt for wherever you live, though. Check out your local Humane Society. If you can't adopt, volunteer. They always need help. Absolutely. Don't shop a dog. Thank you once again to Sam Anderson for coming onto the show and talking about dogs with us. Everyone, make sure to go check out your local Humane Society. They got some great dogs, and I know you got some great homes to put those dogs in. Next week, we'll be joined by a whole panel of guests all here to talk about how ASD is portrayed in media. But first, to wrap up today's show, we need to go over today's Smartass 5. How did you get back? The end, I had to project my consciousness forward into a suspended quantum state version of myself that exists across every possible instance of time. That makes no sense. Well, what if you were smarter? In honor of today's guest, we're going to go over five TV show or film pets that seem great at first, but would actually suck to own. Starting with number five, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Clifford seems like a great pet at first because you're like, oh, that's cool. You can ride him to school or whatever, but he's not. Number one point on why Clifford is a terrible pet, if you did ride him anywhere, you have to tie him up outside the house and then, or the school or wherever, and then everyone thinks that you're, you know, committing animal cruelty. It's the reason we don't ride horses anymore. It's not efficient. Plus, you have to feed him, which offsets the cost of gas. You have to live somewhere warm if you're going to do that. Not to mention, every time he, like, plays fetch, he's going to crush houses. It must take so much to feed him, and his poop must be massive. Number four. Number four is Brian Griffin. Brian Griffin seems cool at first. Just the concept of a talking dog seems cool, but specifically Brian Griffin would suck to have. A, you can't actually do any normal dog things with him because he's always stoned. He's just perpetually stoned all the time. And more importantly, he's always trying to sleep with Peter's wife. Imagine if your dog was always trying to sleep with your spouse. That's not a dog I want to have in my home. Number three. Pikachu. Pikachu seems great. He can shock the bad guys or whatever, but go back and watch the first episode of Pokemon. Pikachu is a very rebellious pet. 
not just like, oh, I'm only gonna, you know, train with you if I trust you kind of rebellious. He's rebellious to the point where he wouldn't allow Ash to even, like, be around him until he saw Ash almost die for him. Imagine if the only way you can have your pet is if you almost die for them first. That's just a bad pet to have. And before that happens, Pikachu kept attacking Ash. I wouldn't have stuck around through all that. I also wouldn't have slept in late and ended up with Pikachu like Ash did. Number two, Gremlins. Basic reason here is the plot of the movie Gremlins. If you've never seen Gremlins, go watch Gremlins, and you'll understand what I'm saying, because it's literally a film about a pet that seems cool at first, and then has tons of drawbacks. And number one, any of the animals in Avatar. Now I'm talking about Avatar blue people. Avatar The Last Airbender, those animals would be dope to have. Avatar blue people, they would be awful to have for two reasons. One, they're going to eat you. You specifically because you're human. If you were Na'vi, you could control them, but you're not. So you're going to get eaten or trampled or whatever. But even if you were Na'vi, you have to have sex with that animal to control it. This sounds crazy. Go back and watch the film, though. When they uh, kind of, you know, do their thing with other Na'vi, they join ponytails. And how do they control animals? By joining ponytails. I know I'm not the first person on the internet to point this out, that Avatar would just... It's, it's literally bestiality. I'm not the first person to point this out. But I think I'm confident that I'm probably the first person you've heard say... You shouldn't want any of the animals from Avatar because only being able to control your pet by having sex with it is not an ideal situation. Join us next time and remember to let your random thoughts spread even if people don't want to hear about them. If you're going to take away any three things from this episode, let it be to be yourself, to adopt a pet, and to not have sex with that pet. In fact, I'm gonna go as far as to say the official stance of this show is that bestiality's bad and adopting pets is good. 